So the Triflix cast, the show where we interview innovative, creative, entrepreneurial, and all those sorts of types, the the, the charity drivers, the people trying to make a difference in the world. Oh, I, I didn't know that's who I was. Oh, I, it is now. I feel so good about myself just being included in that list. Uh, wow, this is this has been a successful day so far. Yeah. So all out right. of all the people we've interviewed today, like you said, we're adding one to the list. This is Mr. John Budnick. Uh, he is a pastor at uh, not Crossroads. Oh, no. we were we were talking about that a second ago. Uh, at Columbus Community Church. The Community Church of Columbus. Yeah, Community Church of Columbus. Yes, yeah. and uh, he is the community pastor. Well, connections. Story. Connections. So, okay. Yeah, we just, I just had a recent job change back in January. So mm-hmm. I went to bed December thirty first. The pastor of Community Life. I woke up January first. The connections pastor, and yeah. I definitely felt like a whole shift in my entire world right there, in in that. And so. Yeah, no, I, okay. Sarcasm. Okay. <laughs> so, it, I mean, I assume the responsibilities changed a little bit. Right? Oh, little, there were a ton of changes. Okay. Responsibilities, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you still woke up and uh, put your pants on the same way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every day? Yeah. Three right legs on. at a time. Three. <laughs> All right. So, people may not know you, and you, you gave a little brief introduction there, but. Um, could you explain who you are as far as your role within the church and maybe like a little bit within the community? What what you what are you up to? Oh, the the who am I question. The who are you, man? That's like that's uh I just got to talk about this for a week with a bunch of high school students. Anyway, um, so uh, John Bundick. Uh, right now, my my I've got I like to say I've got three gigs. Uh, I've got one that pays me, one that gives me free T-shirts, and one that I do because I love it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the paying gig is uh, I'm the connections pastor at Community Church of Columbus. Uh, which is great because Community Church of Columbus is actually went to church when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I did student ministry there when I was a kid. And it's kind of a full circle thing. So I'm, I'm working there on staff. So my my role, kind of big picture there, is making sure that people who are at CCC are connected, whether that's through membership uh, in our community groups, uh, doing that sort of thing. I also make sure that uh, CCC stays connected to the community. So the question basically I'm asking or answering is if CCC were to disappear tomorrow, would we mat- would it matter? Like, mm-hmm. are we making a, a difference in, in in the community that is Columbus? And answering how we can do um, what I like to call local justice well. How are we feeding the hungry, mm-hmm. uh, clothing the naked, giving water to the, the thirsty, um, that sort of thing. And so I get to do that on staff. Uh, and then also just some of this, that, and the other. Uh, so the, the thing that gives me T-shirts is I'm a volunteer throws coach at Columbus North, uh, which is where I went to high school. So throws, uh, shot put, and Shot discus. put and discus. Yeah. And I'm a much better coach than I was an athlete, and I'm not that great of a coach. Uh, I'm actually – what I like to say is I'm not the assistant throws coach. I'm like the assistant to the throws coach, uh, mm-hmm. Jordan Sharp, who's our, our actual throws coach. He's amazing. He's a great guy. Um, I get to, to help him out a couple days a week. Uh, we've got some amazing athletes, got some amazing students. I really uh, love being part of that that athletic tradition that happens here in Columbus. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it does it does feel good to, to wear the old blue and white still as I'm, you know, cruising well past 30. <laughs> uh, and so I do that. And then my, my final gig that I do on a regular basis is I am a – uh, it's one of the chaplains. We got five chaplains at the Columbus Police Department, mm-hmm. and so uh, this April will be my. Uh, I'll be wrapping up my second year as a chaplain there. Really, and so um, so I do that. Uh, doesn't pay, but uh, get to see a lot of Columbus and get to interact with uh, eighty nine men and women who uh, are do law enforcement and kind of get to walk alongside them in life. And I 
I really enjoy that. So yeah, so those are like the three gigs. So you said one that you one that pays, one that gets shirts, and one that you love. Yeah, I mean I love all of them, right? But like the you know for the love of the game, I guess basically is the last one. Yeah. Uh, there's not there's no free t-shirts. Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah. mean Chief Richardson, if you're watching, I will always take a free t-shirt. So of course. Uh, so. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, it's good to represent your local defense. I mean, really, uh, at the end of the day, who hates uh, a free T-shirt? Uh, uh, so, <laughs> a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Tony London. I mean, I was just talking about supporting the police department. But I mean, there's yeah, that too. Yeah, I mean, there's but, shirts too. I mean, I'm just talking about the free T-shirt. But my friend Tony London, who has a has a company local to a local business here, uh, tells a story, and it's one of his favorite stories about like why you should give out T-shirts. And I mean, of course, he's got an angle because he's selling T-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he goes, you know, I saw this. Uh, video of Paul McCartney who you know Paul McCartney right he's right I don't I mean I don't know I don't know who knows Paul McCartney he's, he's famous who's he, Paul McCartney he sang some songs once with this band that was really into bugs I guess ah. um the Beatles I think they're from uh yeah. the United Kingdom I think at one point they they claimed to be more popular than Jesus so I, I, I mean yeah, yeah so I mean, they're, they're I mean pretty well known a couple people have maybe heard of them <laughs> anyway Paul McCartney's like at a Lakers game and gets like a free five dollar t-shirt courtside from like the t-shirt cannon and like loses his mind he goes this is a guy who like a $5 t-shirt and yet he gets this free t-shirt and loses his mind because everyone loves a free t-shirt no matter how wealthy you are like you get a free t-shirt it's like free t-shirt right yeah <laughs> so because we all like memories so no that's awesome yeah so yeah that's what i do <laughs> not the t-shirts the other stuff yeah <laughs> so out of, out of all those three mm. I, I i you said you love them all but what is your favorite is there like one that stands out of uh, i don't know you've received the most uh uh, positive emotion or you associate it with more with positive feelings um so i do all three because i love them all mm-hmm. right and they they kind of hit very different things um so like working at ccc one of the things i love about that is that it is connected to a thing that i've wanted to do since i was like in high school so uh-huh. um Somewhere after my sophomore year of high school, up until that point, I thought I was going to be an English teacher. Uh, I really loved uh, literature. Like, I'm not a grammarian. Uh, there are two types of English teachers in the world is what I've generally found. There might be a third type, which is like, this is this what I found I could do and not have to work too hard, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but it right. seems like that's a poor choice to I do. I can speak and read. <laughs> I can be an English teacher. It's not at all hard or important, except it is. But yeah. there, are, there are two types of English teachers. Uh, there are grammarians who are people who love uh, what I like to call the math of language, right? Yeah. It's formulaic. It's systematic. Like, um, you know, except for really the English language, which is it's like I before E, except after C, and like 29 other exceptions. Um, but uh, so there are grammarians, and then there are people who are primary literature people. They love stories. They love uh, the art of storytelling and reading and books and, and that sort of kind of critical thinking kind of part of it. Yeah. And not that grammar, grammar is not critical thinking, but just like that idea of like how do I take literature, apply it to culture and that sort of thing. And so that really captured my imagination, cra- captured my attention. I had some really fantastic English teachers my, uh, my freshman and sophomore year. Um, Mimi Hageman at North, and then uh, Cindy Sturgis. Shout out Mimi. Yeah, well, yeah, well, too Cindy Sturgis, and like Ooh, as well, right? Yeah, all of them. Oh, yeah, Cindy and Sturgis. then I had Dennis Lindsay, my junior and senior year, and anyone who had Mr. Lindsay, uh, just it, it just it was a it, it's, it's game changer to have him, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, all of education became poor as these people like were retiring out. Anyway, uh, but I found a real love for for storytelling, a real love for um, literature in particular, and had teachers who were really passionate about their craft. And so I thought I, thought I was going to be an English teacher. 
and sophomore summer after my sophomore year of high school, uh, I was at Hilltop Christian Camp over in Brown County, Indiana, um, and kind of realized a a bunch. Attending or? Yeah, I was attending. Okay. And Uh, what is what is Hilltop? uh, It's a church camp. uh, For those who've never been to church camp, it's. uh, Hot, sweaty, usually in the middle of nowhere. Um, food is usually fair to midland to good. Hilltop mm-hmm. had good food. And, uh, you know, there's awkward, like, are they going to hold hands or aren't they? And there's always, like, for prayer? <laughs> Shall pilgrims' hands do as pilgrims' lips? Um, so, or, no, I had that backwards. Shall pilgrims' lips be as pilgrims' hands? That's a bad Romeo and Juliet quote. Um, yeah, right? And then, and then they kiss. Uh, if you haven't read the book, I'm sorry. Or read the play or seen it. I'm sorry I ruined it. But uh, Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, I get the sparking for, situation. For, for, for a play that was written hundreds of years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, and not his best work for a long time. Thought I hated Shakespeare. Nope, just hate that play. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Well, I cut you, cut you off. So oh, yeah, sorry. Hilltop. Uh, Hilltop. Hill so, uh, and so that's where I started. That summer I realized that, one, like uh, so much of my life had been oriented towards ministry. The things that I really loved, I loved telling people about Jesus. I loved seeing that growth in people as, as much as like a sophomore in high school can understand what they love, yeah. um, which I think is a lot. I think it's more than we give them credit for um, I, understanding I think, life. Yeah, and I whatnot. think it is. I think it's like just it's like un not unguided, but like uh, it's like I, a concentrated. Like it's not. It's like you get a nugget of yeah. like who you're going to be over the rest of your life if you're yeah. paying attention. And so, and this one was like, oh, maybe, maybe what I'm being called into. Um, and I, I use that call language pretty loosely because there was like no booming voice from the heavens. There's no like writing on the wall or anything like that. But what mm-hmm. I realized is that everything I was doing with my life anyway was ministry, whether it was volunteering for Youth for Christ. I was, uh, I got to be a student leader there. Uh, Wilbur Hall was my leader there, um, leading uh, various kind of ways I've been working in the church and uh, doing even a ministry startup with some of my buddies. And so, uh, love that. So, you know, so the CCC gig is just an extension of what I've been doing my course of a lot of years. Spent a lot of time doing student ministry, worked with junior and senior high students, and I love that so much. Um, what is that? Oh, my gosh. So, junior hires are weird um, yeah, in, like, the yeah. best way possible and also smell funny. Um, not all of them all the time, <laughs> but most of them some of the time. Um, and it's just weird. And there's this weird vulnerability that uh, junior hires know how – because junior hires, uh, I'll be 100% honest, 7th and 8th graders now are much cooler as 7th and 8th graders than I was back in the 1900s as a 7th and an 8th grader, right? Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I was talking to my fiancé about that. Like just the way they dress, their sense of style, their – I don't know. Maybe the internet's helped with that? Oh, I definitely think there's a huge social media – Mm-hmm. presence on this because it's this idea of like they are constantly being watched and they are constantly f- performing for an audience that is both invisible but very present mm-hmm. and so i think this like there, there brings this sort of like sort of sad sophistication uh that i'll call it and it's not sad because it's like the kids are always so sad it's, it's 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 sad because they feel like there's this constant pressure to be a thing or to be a person or to, to do this like to fit this image but what it brings is is this very real s- sophistication that I'll, i yeah. guess i'll say to like raising their game in a lot of ways that I mean in the seventh grade uh, I was still a big sixth grader right um, and so uh, there's that anyway I love them and I love that aspect but uh, high school students because uh, the question junior hires ask is like do you like me and high school students are like why do I care if you like me <laughs> and uh, the do you like me is, is real nice because it's like oh yeah I do and then junior hires will do the dumbest things if they think you like it. like they will eat the weirdest foods and, and that kind of stuff it's yeah, just yeah. you know games and but then high ne- s- we've never done that. No, never. Uh, but high school becomes this question of like, do I care if you like me? Which is a question of, are you worth 
do you, are you invested in me? And being able to walk with high school students and have some really hard critical conversations. And high school students have this uh, propensity towards like moments of just the dumbest thing possible, followed by these like this clarity and brilliance um, that I just really loved. And and there's this potential there in in the, in adolescence uh, to shape and form and be alongside someone to help them move towards greatness. Mm -hmm. uh, so often we talk about uh, next gen or like someday you'll be a future leader. It's like, no, 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 no. These are the people who like are changing the world now and to be invested in them and to be able to say like, you know, I'm not gonna change the world in the same way you are, but I get to be part of your story. Right. I get to invest in it. That is an amazing privilege to be able to see like this goofy seventh grader turn into this like, uh, you know, Kind of stumbling through themselves, kind of sophomore in high school, and then by their senior year, being this like this this young man or young woman who are becoming these people who are like really moving out to the world to do really beautiful, amazing things, and to be able to say like, I got to be part of that. And then years later, hearing the stories of like, hey, this is what I'm doing, and just getting able to say like, oh, that is amazing. Um, and so I really love that. Um, now I'm not doing that as much. I work with uh, some 18 to 25 year olds uh, you know, through the gathering and also through. Yeah, those, uh, those guys are the worst. Oh, right? they are, aren't they, Tristan? Uh, I mean, starting businesses and stuff and oh, having sweet yeah, podcasts. Like, nothing interesting. Oh, my gosh. Um, but so I still get to do some of that, and that's been really cool. Um, uh, do you want to do a plug for that real quick? What? what yeah. The, yeah, what's the 18 to 25? What do you, how, do you, how does one connect if they are? Eighteen okay. to twenty-five. Okay, well, I've got uh, I got two avenues I can I can push this afternoon or morning or yeah. whenever you're watching listening to this. Um, however, I'm in your ears right now, which is a weird thing to think about that they're they're like I'm in someone's ear right now, yeah, but not like in their ear. I mean, they, I mean, some people listen with speakers, but I I see what your point is. You you're you're oh yeah 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 no. I, I just feel like we're like an earbud sort of generation. Uh, I I it depends. Okay. I think it, I think it depends on the individual. I prefer. I prefer like the headphones. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so <laughs> how, how can they find you? So the gathering is uh, it's it's a collective of three churches. So it's uh, Community Church of Columbus, New Hope Christian Church, and then also First Christian Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now we're in our spring schedule, so we're meeting like the third Thursday of every month until May. And so it's like from seven thirty till nine. Um, kind of changes in shapes uh, in shape, kind of week by week or month by month, but. Uh, basically what we're walking through is, uh, uh, the way I like to talk about it is it's, it's a conversation uh, in real life, theology, and who I want to be, basically. Like, these kinds of things, like, how do all these things intersect? Like, it's uh, practical skills, it's um, dealing with, like, scripture and the Bible, and, like, do I have a Christian faith, do I not? Am I, am I exploring faith, these kinds of things? Mm -hmm. um, um, and that sort of thing. And so, uh, once we roll into May, we'll be kind of week by week, every week, 7.30 to 9.00. Uh, and plus, it's just a good place to. I feel like eighteen to twenty-five in Columbus, at least. It's it's hard to uh, to make meaningful connections mm -hmm. with people because it's not like a huge college hub. So, like in that bra that bracket, it is nice to like find peers that are interested mm -hmm. in some of the similar topics, whether that be Christianity or maybe they just want to develop. And yeah, I mean, we have people who friends who have like little to no interest maybe in Jesus, but they are interested in in finding community and finding a place to land. And oh. so. Um, so yeah, so that's one place. Uh, we'll be kicking off our 1825 ministry at CCC actually starting in March, 1825, which I have not really talked about this anywhere yet. I haven't that's, heard about this yet. Well, it's like brand new. This like, is going to be the clip. This yeah, is what gets shared. This is the thing. This is the thing right here. So 1825 is going to be uh, CCC, Community Church of Columbus. Um, it's going to fall into, it's 
you know, under, I guess, my direction. Uh, ooh, it's weird to say. I've got a thing under my direction. Uh, but it's our specific just community group. And so it's just specific moments throughout the year. Uh, we'll have a couple of events a year to, to specifically for our 18 to 25-year-olds or people who maybe aren't connected to uh, church anywhere else to say, like, okay, I'd like to see what it's like to be part of, of the CCC community, specifically mm-hmm. taking the 18 to 25. And 1825 is for people who are ages 18 to 25, and I'll say like 25-ish, right? Uh, we'll give yeah. like a year or two or so in there because, uh, like, it you know, different things for different people, right? Yeah, everybody grows at a different pace. Yeah. And sometimes you just, as uh, as a leader, you get to make that executive decision to say, I think you're ready for the next group, or I think I think you'd benefit from still sticking around if you want to hang out a little longer. Uh, mostly people just get sick of me and decide that they want to move on so that's that's uh that's that that's the reason it's based on community too though yeah because if it's just a mentorship if if a mentorship stops at mentoring once uh once you've acquired all the information or or knowledge or whatever it is you went there for okay next thing but if there is community and there is a relationship you'll still want to connect with those people outside of eight eighteen twenty five yeah And I, I mean, and that's that's been the thing that has been has been good is uh, like former students. When we talk about student ministry, becoming friends. When we talk about people in this eighteen twenty five kind of like the gathering age, mm-hmm. where it's not just like oh, you know, I'm, I'm like their pastor or whatever, but people are just genuinely like hanging out with and spending time with. And it's yeah. not like, well, this is a word thing. So I'm definitely gonna like write this into the calendar or whatever. Uh, but having that opportunity to just be friends with people, yeah. so. I, it worked out for me, I guess. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I like you. Yeah, well, <laughs> as far as the community aspect of it, I mean, we don't meet. Like, I hang out with people from the gathering that I had met through the gathering specifically, hadn't had any relationships with them prior, and we hang out outside of that group. Uh, two of the four people in my uh, my wedding's coming up, so two out of the four people. Oh, you're getting that married! I'm, I didn't I know. Am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, ladies, he is taken. I, I am. I got a promise ring somewhere, but I took it off because of the clacking on the table. Yeah, I took my ring off because of Good the answer. table. Yeah, or, yeah. honestly, my wife already knows. I lost my ring, like, a while ago. So, uh, yeah. it's, I'm ordering a new one. It's fine. So, I'm just bad at things like that. Yeah. No, it's, it's sometimes you just you just got to own up and be honest. Um, but the two, two of the four people in of my groomsmen are people that I'd met through the gathering. And one of them, David Baker, who we, I think he's one of the first few people we interviewed on here. He works here. Mm -hmm. He's one of my close friends. It's awesome. Yeah. So if it weren't for the gathering, my business probably wouldn't be as, it may not even exist now. Honestly, David has uh, done so much. He's very technical. He's the one that makes all of this stuff uh, technically work. I mean, I can run cameras, but he's the guy that runs the servers and, yeah. Makes everything streamlined and efficient. Yeah. So David, like, can, can we talk about David? For Let's a talk about David. I would love to talk about David. David Baker. David Baker is this guy because he. Okay. So at CCC, he like. Uh, so if you go to community church and you drink coffee on Sunday morning, David Baker is the guy that if you see him, you need to say thanks because he makes it happen. Uh, he is he is there every week. He. Uh, there are these like soft skills that I think sometimes are missing in uh, as. Just speak for lots of reasons. And if you want to do like an hour long detour and like generational stuff, I'm more than happy to do that. I don't think anyone cares. But he has developed uh, these real key leadership abilities like showing up on time, um, 
like communicating clearly like his expectations, what he can do, what he can't do. His work ethic just he, in general. He's got a great work ethic. And David is a is a guy, he's a man that I, I really respect. And um, I am just, we are so lucky to have him at CCC as part of our volunteer team, as part of the hospitality and welcome team. He's been awesome there. He's shown up at a couple other places doing stuff. And uh, he is just genuinely like a good man and really cares about people. And he's the kind of, of man that I just really respect in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because he has like to see him grow and to just like these kinds of things. This is like maybe weird. People are like, who's this David Baker guy? Who's David Baker? Who is David Baker? Um, he's the best guy you haven't met yet. That's who he is. Yeah. So and uh, anyway, uh, but so but David, what David leads me to is just like being able to like walk with people in their stories um, is what I love about being a student pastor. It's what I love about. It's part of what I love about ministry is just being able to walk with people in their stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway. Uh, to wrap up the David Baker talk. Uh, yeah. uh, so uh, he's just, he is an amazing good guy. And I just love uh, his presence and his heart. And so yeah. I'm glad that you had him on because he's a good guy to, to have conversation with. Yeah. Well, so. I, I mean, we brought you on to talk about what you're passionate about. Clearly, I'm a little passionate about <laughs> David Baker. So. Uh, no, I really, you know, uh, he's a cool guy. He's, he's cool. uh, well rounded gentleman. Um, I remember when we first met, he, uh, he was like, like that middle school age. I mean, I didn't meet him in middle school, but like it was that you see him in that early development. You see all of us in the early development. And then over the two to three years going from, I think most of us joined probably around the age of 20. Yeah. So 20 to 23 or, or 18 to 22 in that range, you can see a lot of development in people. So. I think that's pretty cool because I actually got to see that too, and that's something you get to see with most of the people you interact with. Yeah, and it's it is it is cool and it is great, and um, you know the hardest like it's like one of the hardest parts of this is you know you build that relationship and then uh, everyone like takes off to do these amazing things around the world, right? Well, I mean, it's partly your fault. I <laughs> I hear you send people job applications for out of state places. I I mean, if I think a job fits a person and I happen to get it, like and I know a person is, you know, as much as I don't want them to leave, mm-hmm. I want them to succeed. Right. And so it's like I think this is a thing where you might win, so. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, talking about things, that, yeah, things that we want to succeed in stuff win. and things. How about how about a sponsor, man? Oh yeah. yeah. So do you have a sponsor? Does this is this sponsored by anyone? This is sponsored. Who's and it you, sponsored by? Do you know what that means? I don't know. It means that people out there want to support what we're doing, and that people that that specific group at, uh, for today's episode is uh, Hill Zion Records, and it is. A, I love records. You do? I do. All right. Well, this do is, they like do stuff with music? They do so much with music. In fact. I think they entirely do things with music. They make lots of it. Uh, some rap, some hip-hop, some uh, a little bit of R&B. They got a couple artists on uh, this Hill Zion Records. It's a record label based out of Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. They're the only 10 I see. Ah, uh, they, they are, and, and we want them to succeed. I, I didn't have a pun there, but... Uh... <laughs> But I did a hand gesture, and I feel like that was good enough. Yeah. Uh, so it is a Christian record label based out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. So if you want something a little more upbeat, maybe nothing wrong with K-Love, but a lot of K-Love is a, is a little slower, and sometimes it's good to get that. And sometimes you need some Hill Zion records to come in with some elevated, some energy Ooh, I to, love their, the... to that Jesus music. Oh, you are speaking my language. I, I, I like I like, I like a nice solid beat. My son and I, we love the dirty beats. So I, hear, I, I mean, I, do they have dirty beats for us to like partake in? They they have some slappers. You know, they they, they really hit hard. Okay, they, all right. They got a couple. Uh, 
Actually, I, I've heard. Uh, okay, jumping off the hills on because you brought up your son, and I love your son. Andrew's awesome. He has a four, five. Oh, he turns four in six days. Four. Okay, so we're gonna say he's a four-year-old kid. I hear you guys uh, are are uh, kind of <laughs> kind of coaxing him a little bit. Like you're you're leading his style of music in a way. Uh, I, we. we we have been listening to a lot of very specific music over the past four years. And, and we're already talking about seeing the development of people, and specifically those middle schoolers and those 18 to 25-year-olds. But uh, I'm curious about this kid's developing because I hear he listens to some great tunes. <laughs> so lately, um, and there is going to be uh, – oh, there's going to be some level of judgment here. Uh, so I mean, you can you can uh, no, no, preface no. a little no, no, bit No, 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 there's no preface needed. Uh, I'll be honest as honest as I can. And so uh, lately he's been asking for rock and roll, which specifically means uh, Fall Out Boy. And even more specific than just Fall Out Boy, um, which is my fault because I, I listen to Fall Out Boy. That's a great, um, great group. Yeah. Uh, but he really likes uh, their Save Rock and Roll album, mm-hmm. um, the Phoenix song, uh, which he uh, he knows most of the words to that song. And so on a good morning when I'm taking him to daycare uh, is in the back seat. Like, Dad, can we listen to rock and roll? I'll put it on. Uh, and then, like, in the background, I'll hear my son, like, you know, <laughs> singing the lyrics. Like, I'm going to raise you. It's like, <laughs> but it's like, so he's four, and it's, like, a little off time, but the lyrics are right. And it's like we have this moment in the car where we're singing together. I can't sing. Clearly, we just saw that. Um, but he loves it. Uh, we have uh, his f- I will say it's his favorite album. He wasn't able really to talk at this point. So, mm-hmm. like, um, in his first, you know, especially year of life, as we've got him home and trying to get him to sleep and that kind of thing. Um, the album that we listened to over and over and over and over and over again um, was Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds live uh, at Luther College. So for, again, for those of you who existed in the 1900s, you're aware of the magic of the beauty of this album. Uh, and so, uh, but by satellite, um, my son, like that, like that, that first night, satellite, like my son is just like, ah, and just like, with, like, like just with this like big smile, just falling asleep every time. And so that like, I, I'm counting that as his favorite song. Awesome. First few years. Uh, Imagine Dragons, which is not my fault. Um, like I don't know if you've got opinions on Imagine Dragons, um, but my uh, my son discovered him I think via on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came on uh, radioactive, and then yeah. um, there's another song. Oh, Thunder, uh, which was in uh, one of the Cars movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would, he wanted to listen that song over and over again. Uh, Muddy Waters. We've listened to a lot of Muddy Waters for those of you who, because again, like I'm trying to like give my son this huge perspective of music. Right. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of times people get put in niches, and it's like uh, they're told what's cool. You yeah. know, like oh, the, the Hicks listen to country. It's like I like country. Like I like country, and, and you don't realize it until you try it, and you're yeah. letting him try it just earlier. Yeah, and so he's got some preferences. Um, you know, he. Uh, he he seemed to take a liking to to Dave Crowder. Now there's like two versions of Crowder. There's like what I like to call Goatee Crowder, which was like okay, yeah. the early days, and then uh, which I like speaks to my heart because that was like a really important part of my life. And like the Illuminate album, one of my favorite albums. But um, my son really likes when Crowder has gone full on trucker hat. Crowder is maybe the best way to put it. Um, and so um, so that's been good. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh oh, so my son is really into this movie and he got me into it which was into the spider-verse right it's a great movie oh my gosh like of course that movie wins awards it's fantastic but the soundtrack is just baller like it is a banging soundtrack right and so uh that song what's up danger is my son's like it's kind of in my mind 
right? If I were to pick a theme song for my son, mm-hmm. it is What's Up Danger. Um, because he has this, <laughs> like, he's always, like, he wants to be upside down. He wants to be thrown. He wants to run around. And, uh, and like, he knows, again, like, most of the lyrics to this song. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, What's Up Danger is a song that I just, I, I love that my son loves it. And also my favorite moment in that fo- film happens to that song, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's this... You haven't seen Into the Spider Verse, uh, and you don't want any spoilers. I'd say skip ahead like forty-five seconds. Okay, maybe a minute. I'm long-winded. About a minute. Okay, you're skipping. So there's a scene where Miles Morales uh, is leaping off of a building, and he's fully that, embraced. That, that's Spider-Man. That's by the, the Spider-Man way. again. I'm assuming if you're watching this, you've well, seen. I mean, it. Peter Parker. Well, I mean, Peter Parker's my Spider-Man. Miles Morales is my son's. Yeah. Um, but uh, he's leaping off of this building, and he's fully embracing what it means to be Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and not just any Spider-Man, but what it means for Miles Morales to wear the mask, to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And so they inv- they do this thing where they invert the animation so that instead of falling down into the city, like, he is rising into the city, which is, like, this overall representation of, like, him rising to what it means to be Spider-Man, rising to the challenge, rising mm-hmm. to, like, this fight to go join the other Spider-Man, Spider-Men and also one Spider-Woman. It gets complicated. It does. Uh, you have to see the movie. And if you're just joining, I'm not done talking about it, so maybe another 30 seconds. Uh- <laughs> And so he rises into it, and it's it's the song of like the like the 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 beat drops on this the scene, and it's it's just like it is beautiful. It is. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I see it, and because like I see my son in it, and I see mm-hmm. like his identification with Miles Morales, um, like it does make me kind of go Armageddon crying. Uh, yeah. So. Um, no, that's actually. Uh, I was I was thinking a lot about that lately. Uh, just how cinema or how media whether it be music or whatever impacts people's emotions and one of the reasons i wanted to get into video was because i i always struggle with like identifying emotions and stuff i'm very analytical but i liked it whenever i would watch things like green mile Mm -hmm. and you see like all these emotions built up in these people and it's like all these terrible things are happening to this good guy and what that invokes inside like the human spirit like Mm -hmm. what everybody is like crying at these scenes versus you know, Anakin stands coarse and rough, and I'd say it's everywhere. It's like, all right, that's the opposite. That is the opposite of where you want to go. Like, you want to invoke these emotions. I'm glad I got you with that one. But, uh, and then I started realizing, like, why don't I experience that anymore? And I mean, and partly as you get older, you get used to things, you expect things, and, and that comes with it. But I realized, like, so much media is based on, like, nostalgia now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, original works are more likely to invoke, like, an actual true emotion. But, like, nostalgia is this fake way of invoking emotion because it's relying on past experience with the same content. Yeah. Versus watching something and you reflecting on yourself or your own circumstances and yeah. like that's why i like spider-man into the spider-verse so much just because it was new it was fresh and it wasn't relying on nostalgia because i mean like there was some like fan service occasionally but that right. wasn't what drove people in no know? like because i i like spider-man i like this this you know uh, as a kid the comic books that i typically get were were spider-man comics and so like i have this this love for spider-man but this was like a whole different thing and it was a uh, it was you know I think what they did well was a unique take on mm-hmm. Spider-Man and his existence with these kinds of things. Um, but no, and I think when you talk about nostalgia, trying to evoke uh, emotion with and feelings with nostalgia mm-hmm. is that we have become, and I'm going to say we, um, I am an elder millennial. Uh, so I was born in 84. So I was raised by boomers, not by Xers. Yeah. So we're, we're actually both ends of the bracket. I'm 96. So you're like the very tail end. Yeah. So uh, we, we are millennial. We, 
And look at you. You, you, you you've got a you've got a business and a job and you didn't even get a trophy. Like <laughs> graduated debt free. <laughs> Oh, snap. snap. Thank you, family. Thank you um, <laughs> for all like that supported me, those that let me stay with them, those that helped contribute, all the scholarships, including Heritage Fund, who we shouted out in the last video. Yeah. Look at all, look at all this gratitude from uh, from, a, from from like a young millennial. This is amazing. Um, the other day, actually, it was uh, yesterday, I walked into the office and was like, I did my job. And like I was talking about like this thing that I was really excited about doing. is like, um, I'm like, and yeah, just so everyone knows, I'm a millennial. And yeah, I need a trophy. So... <laughs> And to which everyone in the office at the time was like a boomer or whatever. Mm -hmm. was like, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> they thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I jumped your subject. I can't even remember what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, we're talking oh, about nostalgia. Oh, yeah, instant nostalgia. And I think this is also a thing that we're starting to see with Gen Z is this idea of we are we want instant nostalgia. We want to like, oh, remember when? Like, so, Because we're not creating stories. I think what we're seeing in what film studios are doing um, well, that's the the, the Marvel. Uh, Marvel's doing it a, a little bit. I mean, they're relying on comics, and I think they they did a really good job making it original with phases one through three. But if you look at all of the um, the Disney live animation remakes, mm -hmm. there's no difference between them and the the cartoons. Like it's, with, well, it's with, cheaper. With, well, you don't have to pay people to write things anymore. But, but what they what they do, I was actually listening to this a little bit, and I'll let you jump back in on it. But um, what they're doing is they look at those age demographics of who watch the cartoons when they came out mm -hmm. they wait 30 40 years they release it and those are the parents that are taking their kids to it so now their kids are hooked on it and another 30 to 40 years they're going to release the disney vault and release remastered yeah. versions in 8k and it just relies on nostalgia for sales and they Who actually needs 8k they project their sales based on it too that has that is crazy mm-hmm yeah. Uh, but what are your thoughts on uh, on cinema and, and repeats, nostalgia, and all that stuff? I well, know. I think it's reflective of culture, right? And so, because like there, there we're not creating. I mean, we are creating new content. There is interesting new content that's happening. I think we're seeing this, especially with streaming services and even YouTube. You get to see some creators in smaller places do that. We have some breakouts, um, mm -hmm. uh, kind of in the larger world as well. Jojo Rabbit. I have not seen JoJo. It uh, just won a lot of awards. Well, good for the rabbit. Um, it's not really about a rabbit. I'm pretty sure it's about Nazis. Um, it, it, the lead actor is Hitler. Okay. Um, so, um, can you talk about anything on the internet without Hitler eventually being mentioned? Uh, I mean, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we, what we're seeing is just like a repeat. And so, but I think this is, is a. A reflection of what's happening is that we as people are real bad at creating new stories um, because we're real bad at just living as people together, right? Um, one of the things that I've seen, I saw as a student pastor, I see working with 18 to 25 year olds is that there is this difficulty in um, having genuine real friendships, um, which as you move out of your family as your primary relationship into your chosen relationships, which is what happens in adolescence. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing that parents often complain about is like, my kid never wants to be around. That's, that's actually healthy and normal, is that your kids should want to have, if you've done things really well, your kids should want to have friendships outside of the home because what they, they have a solid enough self-understanding and self-awareness to begin interacting with friends. What, uh, what age does that usually occur? Um, or have you noticed it in? Uh, so, um, depending on which theorist you're talking about, um, it's usually the, the early onset of, of adolescence. So mm -hmm. physical adolescence and social adolescence are not necessarily the same thing right. at the early ages, um, kind of depending on what country you're in and a bunch of other things, even regions of this country, uh, different ages, but, uh, you have, uh, they kind of coincide because of, uh, kind of what's happening in the brain. Anyway, all that to say, um, 
your kids should want to make friends with people outside the home and spend time with them because if you've done your job well, they're secure enough to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but because kids aren't doing that well, they're not having um, intimate friendships. And a lot of times uh, when I talk about intimacy with uh, like high school students or college students or whatever, the first thing they think about is like physical intimacy, which right. is not at all. Like, in fact, you can be physically inter interact with someone and have no intimacy at all, right? Um, intimacy is this this ability to have a genuine real relationship with someone where they see uh, the, the way I, like I like to talk about it is they get to see the sacred parts of your heart um, that you trust them with not just the, the the sad things in your life but also your hopes and your dreams um, that when they confront you and say hey this is a thing that I see in you that's not like real healthy or good like you don't respond by shutting them down you you actually invite them in to help you kind of put your things in order and they they walk alongside you that's what friendship is and the thing that I I see so often um, in students is that they don't know how to have friendships and so uh, I think when we talk about larger media culture it's reflecting this in that we're just repeating what we've seen um, the kids are repeating what they've seen, but they don't aren't creating new stories. They're not creating new friendships. Mm -hmm. And so um, when this happens, like if you ask some students, do you have friends? They'll say yes. Well, what's a friend? It's someone to hang out with. And yeah. even as you start to dig in, um, even though they don't have maybe the like the large like terms that you're supposed to have or whatever, that usually, I mean, 10 years ago when I first, more than 10 years ago when I first started, um, student, student ministry, uh, my students would be able to tell me what a friend was. They'd be able to say, it's a person who I share my life with, someone who um, confronts me when I'm doing um, things that are wrong, yeah. um, someone who wants the best for me, someone who supports me, but not like blindly, uh, someone that sometimes I disagree with, um, right. someone who I have a shared story with, right? But for most of, uh, for not most, but for a lot of students I've interacted with, especially ones who are lonely, which is what we, we've got, a, we've got, a, I think, a, a real issue of loneliness in this country. Yeah. Are, are kids who, the only thing that a friend is, is someone that I share space, space with. And Almost no matter, like an accessory. Yeah. And 100% supports me no matter what. And that's not a good friend. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you've probably heard me say this like once or twice like at the gathering. It's like, when you go to get married, if you don't have three or four friends in your life that if they said, I think this is a bad idea, that you would be like, oh, I need to really reconsider. You probably shouldn't be getting married. One, because there's shows like maybe a lack of growth and the ability to have to, to, to build significant relationships mm -hmm. where there's confrontation and difference. But also, uh, friends help us uh, overcome the dumbness uh, that we have when we are in love and like in that those early kind of puppy love infatuation stages to yeah. say like, uh, this person maybe not be good for you, right? All the brain chemicals are flying and you're not thinking straight. Yeah, higher reasoning center. Who needs it? <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't help that I I assume you're speaking from your experience with middle school and high schoolers going into college when their brain's still developing and, and it, it's all new experiences so they can't even relate it to anything. Like, yeah. This is completely new. Yeah, they're not stupid. They're novices, mm -hmm. right? Um why, why don't you know better? Because I haven't learned it yet. Right. And so and that's the beauty of like, so, okay, so uh, I, I don't know. Okay. So what I know is like Bible stuff. So like the book of Proverbs, right? Okay. Uh, the, the book it's of Proverbs, of best. if you follow it through, is actually kind of this, this, the journey of, of someone who becomes, becomes wise and someone who becomes a fool. And the idea is everyone starts off at kind of the same level of fool, right? And this is not like my original research. This is uh, mm -hmm. Richard Smith from Taylor University is the one who I heard, first heard discuss this. He was my... Um, 
Hebrew professor, uh, have him for Old Testament, these kind of things. But as we were talking about Proverbs, which is like one of his areas of specialty, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is this idea that you see the progression of, of everyone starts off as a novice. And it's not your fault. That's just what you are. Yeah. Um, wisdom, because someone, someone who is doing wise things is a person who's actively making choices, who's making choices towards righteousness um, uh, in kind of the Judeo-Christian ethics, someone who's living into uh, the commands of Yahweh, these sorts of things. Um, the fool is a person who is making, who either makes no choices, because making no choices is actually making an active choice. Yeah. Uh, and so you become a fool over time and you become wise in f- uh, being a fool, uh, which is what moves you into wickedness, where you become wise in like helping people like do the things that are... are uh, the term I would use in, in Christendom or Christianity uh, would be um, anti-kingdom, um, yeah. anti the things of God, anti Moving the goodness. Away. Yeah, and so um, and so our junior high and senior high students are are novices, and so it's not their fault. They're 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 not dumb. They're inexperienced, and so again, this 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 privilege that we as adults in this world, whether we have kids or not, is to come alongside them and impart wisdom, which is our learned life experience over time put into real practical ways mm-hmm. to like hand that off to someone else. Like, hey, you know what you should do in your 20s? You should really get a Roth IRA. Doesn't matter if you don't have a ton of money. You should do that. That's the kind of thing that a lot of our like junior high and high school students are getting their first jobs. They don't know. Um, either because family systems, that's not a thing that's talked about or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But to have an older mentor, to have someone speaking is like, oh, so you're making like 100 bucks a week yet now. That's great. You really should only be spending about 50 of that. Here's what you should be doing with the other 50 because yeah. we're thinking about your future, right? Which is not a thing that you think about because future thinking is not natural. Yeah. Right? Do you have uh, recommendations for parents of kids at that age or like kids at that age that would like uh, be interested in learning more about that type of? Yeah. So if you're a parent, so we'll start with parents. Um, parents, here is the thing that I would say. Uh, one, uh, if you so if you've got a Christian faith, right, and I, I don't assume everyone who's going to watch this does. But if you do and you're interested in like how do I help my, my child like maintain a, a Christian discipleship faith, you know, after they're done with high school, there's a book. It's called Sticky Faith. Uh, it's research-based. Uh, it comes out of the Fuller Youth Institute, uh, Fuller Seminary out in Pasadena, California. Did research with a bunch of other top-notch schools and universities mm-hmm. about, like, you know, basically, basically faith practice in America. And they came up with some things that are really important for parents to do, one of which is make sure that your student has other adults who share your values that they're speaking into because it's that famous thing of, like, you say the same thing and your kid looks at you like you're an idiot, but then, like, the youth pastor says it and they come home and, like, I can't believe that how brilliant Adam is. He said this thing and it's like, and it's like I've been saying that for months, right? Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, that, that could happen with spouses, too, or fiancés. Listen, I, listen, I um, I... I don't know that we want to have that discussion. Recorded. I, I, I'm just saying, there's been many instances where, like, I'll 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 talk to somebody, they'll tell me a thing, I don't retain it as well as I should have, and I'll hear someone else say it, and I'll go back to that original person, and be like, look at this, listen to this gospel I've received, and they're like, I told you six months ago. <laughs> so I I can definitely relate. I don't think yeah. that's a kid only thing. I don't think that's a you know. Uh, it developing. Is like, I think it's like distinct in adolescence. It's a thing that's there. But yeah, so anyway, so Sticky Faith by Kara Powell. Um, you can get that, uh, I think, like Barnes & Noble. You can get it on Amazon, which is where we're all getting our books anyway. Um, or your local independent bookseller. Um, it's about 9 or $10. Yeah. So, uh, so the other thing that I would say um, for parents, 
a book that I, that helped me understand because uh, I'm 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 a I'm a boy um, that helped me understand female social structure uh, was Queen Bees and Wannabes. If you've seen the movie Mean Girls, oh. Tina Fey read this book, then wrote a movie based on it, which is funny if you read the book because there are like quotes from the book in the movie on like these characters' lips, and it's hilarious. But just kind of understanding female social structure. Um, specifically adolescent girl uh, social structure. I will not definitely say that I've seen hints of this in adult female social structure, but it may exist. Uh, that's another book that's just really helpful in helping navigate those years. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so, and just the other thing I will say to parents is I just had the opportunity. I was down in uh, Hilton Head on vacation. I got to speak at Hilton Head High School and uh, Bluffton High School uh, connections through um Actually, my, my sophomore English teacher, Cindy Sturgis, and her daughter, Jessica nice. Phillips, who are now living down there. Um, and uh, I get about 200 letters back in response to this lecture that I do on poetry. Oh, yeah. I was reading about this online. You po- you posted some of the results. I thought they were really interesting. Yeah. Uh, so a couple things came out of this. Um, but there are a couple things that just stuck, stood out to me. Is One, our students are really lonely. And a lot of our students are they don't think their parents hear, which is, is part of adolescence. This is a thing that adolescents have felt for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, again, this is all anecdotal. So someone with a research degree can tell me why I'm wrong, and I, I, I might be. Um, but so, 200 samples is a, a uh, lot. Yeah, and they're talking about a lot of stuff. And th- to be fair, they were forced to write this. Um, but in, like some of the letters that would get into my life and my existence and the things I'm thinking about, because this is a, it's not just about poetry. It's about it's 90 minutes of me talking about myself clearly a thing that's difficult for me to do um but uh what i get is like students aren't hearing from their parents not just an important thing i think in parenting is telling your kid that what they do matters like everything that you do matters whether it's good or bad um one of the things that my goals for like my son is that he knows that his good behavior matters so when he does something well is acknowledging it now it's not like here's a trophy we're celebrating because <laughs> that's my gig not his um but it's not to not, <laughs> it's to acknowledge things he does well, but also to acknowledge the things that he does poorly, right? So when he misbehaves, we call that out, and we we work through correcting that, and yep. like what is the behavior we want, and and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of our students aren't hearing either. Um, they they literally don't think that what they're what they do what they do matters. Yeah. And so um, I think parents just the the realization that even though your kids start to like grow up. Um, and even before adolescence, just having those conversations and recognizing, like, I've got to make sure that I am talking to my kid like they matter, and I, and I, and I hear them, and I'm participating in discussion with them. And, 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 you know, that doesn't mean they get to run the house, right? Uh, the most important thing for my son right now is that he knows that, like, uh, my relationship to him, his relationship to me is not the most important relationship to me in the world. Um, the most important relationship that I have is with my wife, like, human relationship. And my son is, like, number two. Mm-hmm. And... That is the safest place for him because if he screws up something majorly in high school, like okay, we fix it and we we grow and we 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 suffer those consequences, but we move forward together, right, as a family. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't ruin the family um, or this kind of thing. Like that pressure is not on him. Yeah, his pressure is to grow into the human being that God created him to be, and that's not a thing he does by himself. It's a thing we help him as a family. But like he's not the most important person in my life. Yeah. And it's important for like not only the parents to have. I mean, for the parent in that case to set that boundary, but also for them to explain that to their kid. Because yeah. I've, I've had a lot of friends growing up that their parents got divorced and they thought it was their fault. Yeah. Because I assume they thought that their relationship was 
at that same level that if they made a mistake, it would impact what was above them. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've seen that in students as well. It's like, what did I do so wrong? My parents got divorced, Mm -hmm. which as adults, we hear that and we think, oh, that's that's nonsense. Right. Except there. I know a ton of adults that when they when they sit down and think about it, like they still also feel that it's their fault that their parents got divorced and it's not. Adults made decisions and impacted the rest of the family, right? Yep. Um, but like being able to talk through that through. So um, parents just uh, like telling your kids that stuff that they like, especially I think it's it's difficult uh, in fathers because we 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 are still only about 120 years out from moving from fathers and sons working side by side as kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you were to ask uh, my grandparents, my grandfather, if you're still alive, like, did your did your dad love you, like? He would think that's a ridiculous question, probably, but he would say, yeah, probably, you know, if we had the conversation. Again, there's a couple things. He's alive, and we were having this conversation. Neither of which of those things are true. Um, (laughs) But he'd say, yeah, I think my dad loves him, because he worked side by side with his dad and his brothers. Um, Then you go down a generation, all of a sudden, like, fathers and sons aren't working next to each other anymore because uh, fathers are working, sons are at school, and then they go to college, or they go into the workforce, and Mm -hmm. they're just not that side by side. So, like, there's this feeling of, like, does my dad love me? Um, and then language, yeah. that, and like this is the thing that's being talked about for the first time after like post World War II, and so just trying to figure out how for for fathers to express to sons, especially like, I love you, I care about you, I also cannot let you just do what you want. I have to help you become a good man. Well, yeah, and uh, for a lot of people, they may not. Uh, a lot of men may not know the difference between love and respect, and that goes for women too, because generally speaking, once going to prefer one or the other and assume that's what it is yeah. like if i prefer respect i'm going to assume that if i'm receiving respect that's actually love yeah and, and if, s- if someone wants love and you're giving them respect they're like why don't you love me it's like well i do but in reality you're respecting them and you're not loving them in the way that they desire yeah speaking of if i were going to recommend another book to parents yeah because uh, uh here's the other thing um i've seen kind of in ministry and just in life in general is that uh, a lot of times parents be like, fix my kid, right? Um, and <laughs> it's, it's not therapy. Not um, but it's but the issue isn't always a student. Um, the actual issue is that students are like sponges. They absorb what's ever in the house. Yeah. And so if my parents have, you know, have a rough marriage or they're not getting along, even if you've never fought in front of your kid, your kid's aware of the atmosphere in the house. And so uh, parents, great book to kind of read together is you're trying to figure out how you love each other and how you love your kids well, is this book called How We Love. Hmm. I am not going to try to say the author's last name. It's a husband and wife team. Um, I'll just mess it up. But it's a book called How We Love. There's a workbook that goes along with it. It's on um, Amazon that you can get. And so yeah. I think that's a, it's a really great book. Uh, students, um, especially as we start moving into high school, uh, are you ready for it? Um, uh, can you guess? I just recommended it to somebody, and I thought I should let you know that I owe you commission or referral fee or something. <laughs> so everyone's sick of me t- telling people to read this book, but it's Boundaries by Townsend and Cloud. And yes, there's a workbook. Um, it's a book that I think everyone should read um, right around freshman year of high school for the first time, if, you, if you're hearing about this, uh, because a lot of our issues that we have are poor boundaries with ourselves, with other people. Uh, we don't recognize our own toxic behavior. We don't allow. We don't see how we are allowing other toxic people to interact. Mm-hmm. The ability to say no is one of the most powerful positive things we have in our own life. And so this book uh, really speaks to that. And mm-hmm. good community, good interactions, good friendships, good relationships all require good boundaries. And so town, uh, boundaries by Townsend and Cloud. Um, nice thing is that they are both like therapists with like degrees, and this is you know research and based on their practice and that kind of stuff. And I love it. Um, 
But if you're in your 20s or 30s like, and you've never read this book, it's a must read. Um, just in one self-evaluation, and even if you think like, I've got this together, um, you don't. <laughs> so, and even if you do, there's nothing wrong with being a lifelong learner who sometimes finds out, you know what, I have this together, but now I have a resource to give to somebody who doesn't. So I don't get money for that book, but I have given out lots you of You should. <laughs> it's, I can't even try to count the number of times I've heard you recommend it. Ah, because I think it's a it's a really powerful book. But to be fair, I think it's a I think it's really cool whenever somebody is inspired by something so much that they whether it helped them or it inspired them, whatever the case is, that they're willing to like regardless of the context of a conversation, they'll just here's this thing and it's amazing and you all need to know about it. It's like it's like <laughs> CrossFit, but it actually helps you. No, no, just, I hope nobody actually so Six what you just found out is that you're never going to be sponsored by a CrossFit gym. That just happened. Well, maybe. You know what? If uh, if somebody has a problem with that, come in. Let's have a podcast with you. I want to learn about CrossFit because I know nothing about it other than when I'm in a place and someone announces it, which is usually <laughs> within a few seconds of them walking in. How do you know someone who does CrossFit? Don't worry. They'll tell you in like the first 30 seconds. Yeah. That's yeah that's, see, that's a stereotype because we're uh we just aren't informed on this uh topic so come in and inform me because i've got lots of friends who do crossfit and they're awesome lovely people and uh you know it's great uh i am clearly not doing crossfit i go to planet fit I do it three times a week with a buddy nice do a little lifting do a little cardio a little like little 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 bit at a time a little bit at a time baby steps man baby steps right and so by the time i'm dead uh i should have made some real progress so <laughs> ah, i think that's awesome um all right we we are pushing that time longer. oh yeah yeah yeah. I so let's talk. let's do some rapid fire here okay um all right so in regards to community yes what um what are your goals so for maybe, me maybe just like two or three yeah so uh so for me community is a place where people have a seat at the table and they belong. It's not a place where everyone agrees, but it's a place where uh, there's hospitality, there's love, there's grace and space for movement, um, and uh, where we can become who we were designed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so community is not the, my community that I have amongst my friends is not necessarily the same one that I have with um, like uh, my officers at the, the police department, even though those worlds cross in a lot of ways, um, mm-hmm. or maybe at church. But uh, what I try to do is create around me space where people are able to be who they are, feel loved, and 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 feel the ability to be who they actually are, um, and um, it's warm and engaging. Yeah. So that's I would say that's my big goal for community. Now you'd mentioned some of your teachers, but that was specifically for English. Did you have any inspiration growing up for why you're so big into? pushing for the value of meaningful long-term relationships. Yeah. So I think about relationships and why it's been so important to me is, uh, I've had lots of people pour into my life in a meaningful way mm-hmm. over the course of my life. Uh, and every time I have to do this, it's like I, I leave people out and I feel so bad about it. But like, I think about like yeah. Peter and Patty Wiley who taught me the value of like, you love people where you're at and you create your house becomes a space for people to be loved there. And, you know, I felt that with a lot of other people that at CCC, um, I think about um, people who help me kind of think through my own stuff um, and and whatnot, just like figuring out like, hey, Bundik, you're kind of toxic in these ways and you need to grow up. Um, those conversations were maybe happening a little later than I'd like to admit, uh, <laughs> but those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but um, I went to Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, mm-hmm. 
and uh, which just keeps keeps topping that. U.S. News and World Report, uh, best colleges in America. Cannot prep up there, man. I just can't. I mean, it's like it's almost embarrassing how often Taylor has taken that number one spot. I just I cannot say enough about Taylor University in Upland, Indiana. Um, if I get an honorary doctorate, I'm not going to argue it because um, that's going to be the only way I get that doctorate. Uh, but, um, but no, I went to Taylor, and so intentional community was part of uh, part of the ethos there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things that you kind of got sick of hearing intentional Christian community, but this idea of community where you confront, like where if someone s- says something about you or someone hurts you, you don't just you tell everybody else. You go and talk to that person. Yeah. Um, what it means to have servant leadership, where you serve first, as opposed to like top down telling people to do. Uh, but living in community, I learned a lot about it there. Um, ran into this book by uh, a theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who has this amazing story um, pre World War II, um, like basically saying like I love Jesus, I can't be on Team Nazi, like that sort of thing that comes up, and he will actually wind up dying days before the end of the war. Um, in a concentration camp because he's hung by the Nazis. Um, and anyway, but he's writing this book about community. It's called uh, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it is just this amazing work. Actually, if, if I know it's rapid fire. I got a quote that I, because when we were, ta- yeah. I found, we were talking about community, that I was like, I need to get this right. Um, so there's two things he says about community um, in this book, Life Together. Uh, the first one I, I want to say is the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Yeah. And this idea of like community is never ideal. It is never perfect. It is never without blemishes. It always has warts. It always has pimples. It always has things that aren't great about it. You will always find a reason to say the community I'm in is not nearly good enough. But that one over there might be. And as soon as you interact with that one, you're going to mess that up, right? Because community is never perfect. The dream of community is not – if you're trying to live, live towards that, you're never going to miss it. But if you're – you're never going to achieve it. Yeah. But if you're able to just genuinely say – these are the people I've got, yeah. and I'm going to love them. I'm going to speak hard truth, but I'm also going to like speak grace, and I'm also going to live grace, and I'm going to like put up with annoyances. And when they hurt me, I'm not just going to withdraw and say, no, 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 no. This is cancel culture. We're done. I'm going to actually press in and say, like, this is where you hurt me, and we need to figure out like how to move forward. Or when I when I mess up, you know, you, you apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry, by the way, not an apology. I'm sorry for it was wrong because in the future I will. Will you forgive me? That was that was a free bonus, um, but being able to apologize when we mess up. The other thing that he says. Did you take that from? Um, uh, is that from one of the premarital books where it's like the apology languages? Uh, no, uh, I, I got that from a mom blog. Oh, okay, but I don't know the no, name. Of the mom blog. There's um. So interject real quick. Uh, the different um, like how people desire love. You have different love languages. Like if you do something for somebody, they'll appreciate significantly more than another, whether that be giving your time or a word of affirmation. But in the same way, there's apology languages. So if I apologize to you in one way Mm -hmm. and I did the exact same thing to someone else and apologize to them, you guys would interpret that very differently. One of you would be like, Oh, reconciled. We're good. And the other one may be like, yeah, nah, that ain't saying sorry is not going to cut it. I need to see action changes. Another person's like, oh, you know, um, just the words are enough or uh, you explained why. Yeah. And that's enough for me. So like like you said, um, just kind of elaborating on that a little bit. Yeah, just I think I think usually those like those those four steps usually cover a lot of that. Yeah. And also, if nothing else, it's like I'm sincere. I'm trying because it's like when your parents are like, apologize to your sister. I'm sorry. Like you mean it. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry more. It's like, no, no, no. Like plus walk two. <laughs> Double plus two on the apology there. Is that better? So. Um, but the other thing that Bonhoeffer says is, let him who cannot be alone be aware of commu- beware of community. 
Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the voids of words and feelings. And the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Basically, as people, we need community, but we also need to be by ourselves. And we need to be by ourselves, but we also desperately need community. Yeah. And so for those of us who are like, I don't need to be around people, you do. We're social. We are social beings. And then, but people who are like, I just need to be in community all the time. My fellow Enneagram sevens, um, we need to figure out solitude. Oh, or threes. Oh, really? I didn't. I didn't. But if without people, we aren't worth anything. <laughs> I need your affirmation. <laughs> I don't need your affirmation. I just need you around. <laughs> so, Honestly, it can get that way. Yeah. So, and, you know, but like this need for solitude and that. So, anyway, so, yeah, yeah. so there's that. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, I, we can talk for hours about Enneagrams. Let's not jump down that. Okay. I mean, we can do that. We, I'll come back for the Enneagram stuff. Uh, actually, that would be really cool. I didn't even think about that as a topic. We were, uh, we were talking about different things you could come on and talk about, and community just stood out to me. Oh, okay. Enneagrams, uh, I would have to rebrief myself, but as a three, I learned about myself and stopped caring after that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a seven with an eight wing. I'm really excited to talk about it. If yeah. we can have a party around it, also, I'm going to dominate that conversation. Not that that has happened today. I feel like today has been pretty even. <laughs> All right, uh, we got we got two two more, three more, maybe. Uh, learning. Uh, yeah. Is there? You mentioned some books. Is what has been the the most helpful for you? Whether that's a book, a mentor, anything that stands out. Yes. Um, Good. I think uh, one of the important things is being a lifelong learner, and that means finding people who are older than you who know stuff mm-hmm. further along in the journey. So in whatever you're doing, just finding people to to say intentionally, like, "Hey, will you mentor me? Will you disciple me?" Yeah. We help me walk along. Um, I think resources open. Like um, my friend Luke Herb, who uh, I really enjoy, has got this really great rule that he told me about. That for every five books that he reads, that he like is in a general agreement with, or he thinks it like, oh yeah, this is probably my speed, or something that's like in my general view of the world, uh, he tries to read one book that's not. That's good. Um, and the idea is like it's not a one for one balance, but it's a reminder that there are other people out there who have different views who also have souls and are human beings, right? And so um, hearing from sources that I don't agree with, but also making sure that it's not like I'm just blindly taking it in, but I'm also not being so hypercritical I can't hear yeah. or see that that person's a human being. And I think that's the thing that we suffer from is that we we want community only with people who are just like us, and that is dangerous. Whenever we have seen in the 20th century communities of people who just want to be with people just like them, yeah, it's not the best. So... Uh, <laughs> Like, we need some people to disagree with. And then the other thing is um, uh, just being open to learning from people who are younger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, whether it is, like, just technology, processes, these kinds of things, or even just life experience, I think that is a thing that is, you know, really great. Yeah. Um, to be able to hear from people who are younger than, uh, than us and have that inform our best practices, um, especially if you're in a position of leadership. So if you are running a business, running a church, running a not-for-profit, uh, if you're 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, whatever, and you have no one younger than you speaking into the direction and like the ethos of the, the you, you're going to die as a community and as what you're doing because mm-hmm. um, you've just devalued an entire way of seeing the world. Yeah. And your way's not wrong, um, but you need to understand that that doesn't work for everybody. And on the other side of that is if, if you're like 
25 and like working in a new business or working in a startup or working somewhere and they're like i just don't have a significant voice it's like earn your place at the table yeah you have to prove that you're capable of competing that does not happen in six months let me just tell you that uh it it can it can but but (laughs) i would say maybe count on like just doing your job doing it well showing up doing the hard work Going beyond expectations and doing that for a year or two years gets you to the point where like people will start to count on you and ask you questions. Are we talking and... about David Baker? <laughs> we are talking about David Baker. <laughs> be, be, be just you have a good work ethic, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, misunderstandings. What's the biggest misunderstanding people have about you? <laughs> so many. What's uh, the biggest? What's the one you get? Either the one you answer the most or. Uh, the one you're most annoyed by answering. You don't have to specify which one's which. I, I mean, I get asked, do I get darker in the summer? And the answer is yes. All right. Well, Black then. people do tan, uh, if you want to know. Yeah. Um, no, I think... Uh, For people listening on audio only, uh, John Budnick is black. Oh, that has not come up, has it? I don't have a particularly... Um, uh, it's It's been gently put, I don't have a, a, a black voice. Uh I would say you don't have a dialect. You are very Midwest. I am. I've got that Midland really well. Uh, It's hard to tell until I I say worship. Am I talking about a boat with guns or am I talking about like singing songs to Jesus? (laughs) Why not both? (laughs) Ooh. Um, Oh, oh, oh. We could talk about pacifism for years. Um, uh, I got so many thoughts. Anyway, um, so I I, think. (laughs) <laughs> do you have do you have a misunderstanding that isn't about race? Uh, no, I th- <laughs> the room just got really uncomfortable. Um, no, I think uh, one of the misunderstandings that I think people have with me is that I don't ha- like that I don't like my alone time, mm-hmm. and that I like I'm I'm just always like I think people think sometimes it's like, oh, Bunnick's just got like thoughts and things hanging all the time. Sometimes I'm not thinking about anything. Sometimes I need alone time. And uh, like, I also really care about people, but I also am trying to figure out how to care about myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you yeah, know, that's boundaries. Boundaries, yeah. I'm yeah. still like, I'm still working that out. Um, if I'm, I'm being 100 honest, um, I tend to know a little bit more than some of the people I'm around. Yeah. Um, but I still have a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I think just one misunderstanding for pastors in general. I'm going to speak for you and oh, every yeah. single pastor because I'm not one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak for us. Sometimes pastors personally don't want to hear everything at that very moment because they're a real person with a real life. And sometimes their their minds are elsewhere. They're going through life. And uh, I, I, I'm sure you guys love to be there and support people. But sometimes you personally may just uh, – it may not be a, the best timing. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, it's it's interesting uh, working in a church. Is that sometimes like if you like if you have a bad day or you have an interaction where I don't think that I've been terrible, to someone yeah. like I find out that like it's the most offensive thing to a person, and it's like I I was literally just you know on my way to the restroom. I was kind of in a hurry, <laughs> right? Like you didn't wave at me. It's like well, I it was it was an emergency, like, man. Like, I, 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 listen. I was either going to get to the restroom or, or one or both of us was going to be very embarrassed, right? So, <laughs> or whatever. And so, yeah, I think that's a thing sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, like, I genuinely love my job and I, I love interacting and connecting with people. But yeah. sometimes I just uh, – I've got bad days too. So Human, man. Yeah, I try. Advice. Do you have uh, a, a, a cute quote? You got anything You got anything uh, real, real, real short for uh, advice? Um, leaders take notes. Um, like that's one uh, – Again, if you are in your 20s or 30s and you're like, I want to make my mark on the world, show up, be on time, do the hard work, yeah. um, like show up early, 
leave late. Um, and it's, it's not easy. Um, and the other thing I would say is, uh, um, your twenties, uh, can be what you make them. And if you do your twenties well, it sets you up really well for your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and seventies. Uh, so that's things like financial planning, um, doing things in ten, intentionally know who you are. Yeah. F like finalize an identity. So that if you have significant relationships, you're able to like do those well. Um, and, um, taking your baggage from baggage and turning it into luggage. It's Ooh. into like a nice little wheel thing. And you carry it around and sometimes you're like, hey, person, let me show you my luggage. Here's like all the stuff, but now we're gonna pack it back up and wheel it around, right? Yeah. Like, so. Um, and generally, the more you do that, the easier it is to pack it. Yes, it is, that's true. Um, I'm not a therapist, and so everything I said might have just been terrible. But That's bad theology. <laughs> but yeah, no, but I, and, I'd say, and so those kinds of things to prep yourself for success later. Yeah. Uh, because you've got the most flexibility and the most freedom to do those things. If somebody's life. 18 to 25 and they, they, they're looking for a mentor, where do you, I, I'm, I'm a bit prodding now. I mean, maybe you don't have an answer, but is yeah. there somewhere that you would recommend for people to get advice for either financial, emotional, physical, spiritual, that type of, just somebody older to, to ask some questions? I mean, the first thing I'd say is like, look around your world. And if there's someone you're like, I like how they do this aspect of life, mm. saying like, hey, you do this really well, because most people like to hear what they do well. It's like, I've seen you do this well. And I would love to learn a little bit from you. Can we can we meet? You yeah. know, can we get breakfast? Can we get coffee or whatever it is on this regular basis so I can learn from you? Yeah. Excuse me. That's probably not that's gonna... that's uh, advice I've lived by. It's helped me. So I, I haven't had any negative experiences yet so. yeah i mean you'll find people who are like yes mentor that like it's not that great but usually yeah. it's, it's usually yeah, but it's, you learn something exactly maybe not what you thought you were going to learn about i'm gonna ask him and <laughs> what's uh uh for people anybody out there anybody listening anybody that stuck around this long if you if, if they got some questions for you john if they want to reach out maybe they want to talk about ccc or maybe they uh, want to get your input on books or anything like that what um where can they find you well, um, you know, any elder millennial. I was one of the first people at Taylor University, first hundred on Facebook, and I'm still on the Facebook. Uh, so quite actively, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's shade. It's, it's good for like people over thirty-five to communicate things to them. Um, so it's uh, you know, it's John Bundick, B-U-N-D-I-C-K. Uh, that's that's the name. Um, you can find me on Instagram uh, and occasionally on Twitter, but not like I don't yeah. tweet all that often. Um, it's at CNHS shot putter. Oh. Yeah, I know. Like I'm still like, and you'll note that a lot of those like things became common after I was out of high school. Still using at CNHS shot putter, huh. uh, even though I am, you know, not really shot putting anymore. But so yeah. <laughs> that's where you can find me on. On Instagram and, and Twitter, uh, those are the places I'm like most active, I guess. Right so, on, man. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming in. We really appreciate your time, John. It's been awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity and, and the nice things you said about like me being like influential or something. That's that was very nice of you. I so, yeah, have man. a lot of friends in my circle that we attended groups that you led, and I would say the influence has occurred. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. It's been it's been real it's been real cool hanging out, and uh, I hope that this has been like you know beneficial for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, if uh, if you guys want to hear about enneagrams, we'll bring it back. Because <laughs> I had no idea where this conversation was going to go today. I liked it though. Yeah, I, I did too. Nice. So uh, if you, uh, I did it again. <laughs> Oops. I, no, wait, no, uh, I have to just, make for that if I segment. <laughs> I bumped uh, bumped my ear again. Um, 
So, guys, thank you for sticking around, uh, checking out the channel, listening to uh, John Budnick share his story to talk about ministry, talk about uh, community and relationships, the importance of them. He didn't say it, but Facebook is not an alternative for real relationships. Oh, it is not. It is not at all. It's artificial. But it's a great way to get connected. And if you guys want to get connected on Facebook, we have Triflix LLC. We also have triflix.com. Uh, Go check that out. Uh, and specifically for if you have any recommendations for guests, if you know somebody, you're like, oh, they're, they're, they're making cakes. And they make some really cool cakes. Let's have them on because we actually have somebody coming on soon that makes cakes. You know who you should have? Who? Tyler and Alyssa Hodge from Lukaby. Really? I, oh my that'd gosh. That'd be awesome. They'd be amazing because like they even like speaking of community, like their whole vision. Uh, I, I won't tell their story because they need to come and tell it. Yeah. Tyler and Alyssa, if you're watching, uh, this is, this is me speaking directly to you right now. Tyler and Alyssa, you need to come into this room and just share your story and talk about your coffee house where I spend so much of my time. And, uh, you know, just saying, yeah. also I've got an immense amount of points there, which is pretty cool. So, <laughs> So, yeah. But anyway, tell us, come here. We would appreciate it. Talk about the coffee. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so this has been Triflix Cast, uh, uh, hosting all of these wonderful discussions. Uh, and it's made possible by sponsors, uh, people that really support what it is that we're doing here, like Hills Iron Records. So if you're watching and you just want to continue uh, supporting it at what we're doing here, uh, or maybe you know a company that would like to come on and talk or uh, support financially, Feel free to check us out on triflix.com. Uh, other than that, hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Same to you, John. Yeah, thanks. Have a good one, Tristan. Bye. Mm -hmm.